Welcome to the Wealth Standard Podcast with host Patrick Donahoe, author of the best-selling personal finance book, Heads I Win, Tales You Lose, and one of the nation's most influential financial advisors. The Wealth Standard's focus this season is investing. 2020 opened with markets and asset prices at all-time highs, but many of us experience more financial uncertainty now than we did a decade ago. Although there are more choices and opportunities than ever before, the risk-to-reward ratio teeters on a global fulcrum, contributing to the roller coaster of emotions surrounding financial well-being. It seems like everyone is walking on eggshells. This season, we'll cover topics revolving around investment theory and strategy, atypical investments versus conventional investments, and the role of investing within personal wealth strategies. The Wealth Standard Podcast is committed to inspiring you to be more financially free. There is no better time to gain clarity about your wealth strategy, your investments, and your financial future than now. Hey, everyone. This is Patrick. Thank you for tuning in this week. Hope you guys have enjoyed the last uh, few podcasts. I wanted to first thank the response that we've had to the request for feedback in regards to a course that is being created specifically for the podcast audience. Your books are on the way, so you should receive those in the next few days, although there are some international people that it may take a little bit longer for your books to get there. But nonetheless, thank you guys for your feedback. It was interesting that the feedback was very diverse. And so it wasn't the the sample size that I thought it was going to be. And so we're going to actually extend the survey and do another 10 books. And so we we went through the hardbacks, we went through the softbacks. So we'll do another another 10 books. So if you guys want to go over to the show notes, there's a link there where you can take the survey. And essentially, it's just getting a gauge as to where you're at in business, where you're at with your investments, where you are, are with your finances, with your overall sentiments regarding your financial state. And that is going to give me a really good pulse on the direction to take the different aspects of the course that right now is being conceptualized. So I'm very thankful. You guys have been awesome, very thorough, very open, very honest. And I I really appreciate the the candid uh, feedback. Okay, so let's get into the podcast episode today. So I have essentially two topics, but first I want to make the statement that you know what what I had seen in those surveys, what I see with speaking with clients, what I see with the advisors that I, I mentor is there's always obstacles. There is always going to be an obstacle. There's always going to be something that you're challenged by. Period. There may be this like you know instance where you know a day or a week or maybe a month, not much longer than that. There are always going to be challenges. Even when you accumulate wealth, when you establish a business, there are always going to be challenges. And so it's really the nonlinear nature of life requires essentially a conditioned linear response. If not, the reaction is going to align with that nonlinear and you're never going to be able to essentially correct the out of control car that's spinning around these curbs. So we're going to talk a little bit about that today when it comes to conversation that I had also with a book that I have reread recently. So I, I committed to do something. It, well, it's 20 days. Now I'm recording this on October 22nd, but it's a, a challenge called 75 Hard. It was put out originally by Andy Frisella, who has a couple of really 
cool motivational podcast for entrepreneurs, business owners, uh, straight up guy. And he created this uh, for himself first, but a lot of other people have taken the challenges and app associated with it, but it's called 75 hard. So it's 75 days. You have to, you have a checklist of things that you must complete. If not, you have to restart the challenge or essentially quit the challenge. So these checklist items are two 45 minute workouts. One has to be outside. You have to take a picture, like a selfie of yourself. You don't have to share it, but selfie of yourself to kind of see your physical change over the course of time. You have to drink a gallon of water. You have to read 10 pages of nonfiction. You also have to follow a diet and there's no cheat meals or alcohol for 75 days straight. So I'm uh, week three while going into week four, about 20 days. So it's uh, going awesome. If you guys want to check it out, just look or search the hashtag 75 hard and uh, you can find that out. But the reason I bring that up is because in there is the 10 pages, right? And I've, I've got into, you know, some, some more books that uh, I've been intended on reading. I've been reading the Shannon Lee's book, who's Bruce Lee's daughter. And it's a, a book about his quote that has so much meaning. We do a whole podcast on that regarding water being like water because water takes all sorts of forms and makes its way into whatever it really wants to and absorbs friction as opposed to, anyway, it's a fascinating concept. Won't get into that today, but a one book that I've gone through during my workouts as well as reading is uh, is Power Versus Force by David R. Hawkins. He passed away, I think, in 2011 or 2012, but it wrote some incredible books on a variety of topics. But the one in particular is the idea of how we show up, and mostly we don't do it intentionally. We show up randomly, unstrategically, non-strategically, and there's a spectrum that exists when it comes to the the energy or the feeling we give to others, whether it's in the words that we use, whether it's in just our, our overall demeanor, our tonality. And so there's a spectrum and there's a force spectrum and then there's a, a power spectrum. So the force spectrum is essentially the intentions, the motivations, the energies, the words that are used to describe the force side of things is uh, pride, ego, it's anger, it's desire, it's fear or, or shame. And when you show up that way, the idea of force is that it's essentially a either a net zero or a net negative. And what that means is you create either the same as what you consume or take, or you produce less than what you take. And then there is the power. Power comes through the words that are used to describe this spectrum. And there are different degrees. One is courage. That's where it starts. The nature of courage, the hero, the overcoming adversity. And these are all net positive, meaning you're producing more than you take or consume. Then there's neutrality. Okay, It's being able to assess the situation, the non-linear aspects of life and handle it rationally with reason as opposed to emotionally and reacting to it. Then you have acceptance. You also have words such as reason, love, joy, peace, enlightenment. And if you think about, and again, this has so much to do with wealth, so much to do with business. I really consider it, you know, I, I consider it the Pareto principle. It's like 80-20 rule. This is 80%. Like how you show up, the energy that you put off, who you are, and showing up to whatever the circumstance is, especially if it's business, you have some control and influence over that. If you don't intentionally understand the way in which you show up, then there's 80% gone of success or at random. 
And so it's really interesting to perceive the obstacles people have, the fear that they have of not overcoming, not being able to overcome obstacles or what they would look like if you don't overcome an obstacle. You know, it's very driven by kind of that carnal aspect of our our makeup, right? That reacts to things as if we're going to get murdered or killed or, or wiped out. So that's where I look at if you can really understand the the energy levels associated with power versus force, then you can start to see how you're showing up. Are you showing up trying to force initiatives or are you showing up to empower initiatives? So that's the first topic of today. We're going to talk that talk about that a little bit. Then the second topic is going to be the nature of leadership. I had an excellent conversation with a client that I wanted to share with you. And there are two things that I pulled from that. And this, this client is incredibly successful, younger, under the age of 40 or just turned 40, and also is in a, a position, an executive level position that pays you know very high six figures plus bonus, but it's in a, a corporate type of structure. And the conversation revolved around the hierarchical order that they're in, wanting to influence change, but having a lot of pushback, and then also feeling compelled to go out on their own have more freedom, have, be experienced or capitalize on this entrepreneurial spirit that they that they have in them. And most people that get to that level, especially at an early age with that type of ambition, have. So we had an amazing conversation. That'll be the second part of today. So the first thing I'm going to kind of just conclude my thoughts in regards to this, this power versus force. Here's the book right here, if you guys want to take a look at it. But David, uh, David R. Hawkins, The Hidden, you know, Power Versus Force, The Hidden Determinants of human behavior. It's a pretty it's pretty awesome. It's longer. There's some different examples and anecdotes that he has in there. But it's a powerful concept and I've been able to to really just kind of experience myself and calibrate or know kind of where where I'm at. What are the words I describe to use how I'm feeling, what I'm thinking, what my intention is, what my motivation is. And if they're below the the line between power and force, which force ends at pride and ego and power begins at courage, knowing there and realizing that if I show up in those power states, the states of neutrality, the states of acceptance, the states of courage, I'm going to look at the world differently. I'm going to look at opportunities differently. I'm going to look at the nonlinear experiences that I have, whether it's somebody making a mistake at the office or someone misrepresenting this, that, or the other. It could be something a spouse says. It could be something a sibling says or a child says. It could be something that someone you respect says. Right now, we're in this volatile environment of emotions when it comes to politics, right? And this will, you know, this podcast I think is coming out next week. So the elections would have, haven't happened yet, but they're really close. But that is something you can easily get sucked into, right? And, and that's where those types of feelings, whether it's resentment or anger or fear, right? You know what that's like. You can tell when a person is in that state. You can sense it. You understand it. And now if you have some better context where force is going to be a net zero it, at best or a net negative, but power is going to be always going to be a net positive. It's focusing your attention and energy and perspective, motivation behind powerful forces, those that empower others. And you know that you, we experience that. We experience those energies in those that are most influential, those that make the, the biggest difference that you know command good. You kind of feel that and sense that. 
Okay, so that's the biggest thing. And I'm gonna give you some call to actions in a second as far as how do you determine that? What can you do to understand where you're at and ways in which you can show up? Actually, I'll give you one one little insight. So this is what I do at least now to kind of like see where I'm at on a daily basis is I would say first say that it's challenging, right? To get into these empowering states, to have that state of courage, that state of neutrality, that state of acceptance, that state of of joy, of of happiness. But what you could do is you can use your past and your body and your and your mind's amazing capability to remember the experiences of the past. We all understand what courage is like. There are moments in our past where we've exercised courage, where we stood up to something that was challenging, difficult, and we remember how that felt. Neutrality, same thing. We remember when we were so empathetic, so you know, neutral to something where all things being equal, it may have come across as, as something that went against our belief system, went against what we would have done and otherwise would have set us off, but yet we were neutral to it. Okay. We found that looking at another's perspective, understanding the way they look at things, okay, may have that's what may have caused the behavior. And suddenly that type of reason and rationale allows us to be more indifferent to the situation. So and then acceptance, joy, happiness, success, like those types of feelings are within us because we've experienced that in the past. And I think we yearn for that. But again, going to this, I would say conundrum of how most people think, which is once they have something, once they have this money, once this occurs, then they'll be happy. Then they'll be in that state. It's actually backwards. You're more likely to get everything that you want if you experience and understand that state first. Right. And this goes into experiencing and understanding what you're like when you remember the experiences of your life where you were courageous, okay, where you were empathetic, where you felt on top of the world and things happened, but it was water off a duck's back. I have I have these kind of like core memories, multiple memories that I'm starting to collect that allow me to easily go into a state where I know I've made a difference. I know. I've impacted someone. I know that I've stood up to adversity and overcame the adversity, right? And I try to have my day centered around those that energy of power as opposed to what we normally gravitate toward as human beings, which is force. Taking a break from the show, I want you to know about a course I created for successful real estate investors that I'm making available to my podcast audience for free. You guys know that stupid business and real estate investment decisions almost cost me everything in 2009 and 2010. And since then, it's been my mission to teach you listeners the invaluable lessons I learned during this strenuous time so you don't have to experience those same lessons. Perpetual Wealth Real Estate is an online course that teaches you a financial strategy I use personally with all of my real estate investments to ensure a profitable transaction and maximize the overall return. The Perpetual Wealth Real Estate course is my gift to you. Register today for free at thewealthstandard.com forward slash ROI. Again, the URL is thewealthstandard.com forward slash ROI, Romeo Oscar Indigo. All right, let's move on to part two. So what's interesting about some of the feedback that you guys gave, there's, there's several business owners that responded and talked about some of the challenges with uh, with their businesses at, at various sizes, but there are also, also those that 
were in successful positions, but they were positions that weren't entrepreneurial, wasn't their own business. It was working essentially for, for somebody, somebody else. So this is what I would say is that there's hierarchical structure in small businesses, and there's also hierarchical structure in, in the, corporate, the corporate world. And I look at sometimes people get really frustrated with reporting to somebody, having somebody tell them, them what to do. And they therefore will go off and try to create something on their own, be self-employed, be an entrepreneur, start a business. I'm going to be the first to tell you that the typical path for a entrepreneur, a small business owner, uh, going off and doing things on your own, you're going to make the same amount of money net and spend probably twice the amount of time and energy. It's a skill set, right? Running a business, being an entrepreneur, being on your own, it's a skill set that requires more of you than where you're at right now. And so I'm not saying that it's not possible or you shouldn't do it, but there is a, a calculated strategic way in which you can experience it. So I did an interview. It actually was an interview, a podcast episode that lasted a while. And it was, it was with Michael Gerber and he wrote the E-Myth and there's E-Myth for pretty much every profession that's out there of kind of a, an e, there's E-Myth principles and then they're applied to several different types of uh, professions or industries. And so you guys, I'll, I'll link to that in the show notes. And then also you can you know check out Michael Gerber's book, The E-Myth. There's E-Myth Revisited. He has a lot of online content as well. It was an awesome interview. I mean, interview was like scheduled for, I think, 45 minutes and we ended up going almost two hours. And so it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. So go back and take a listen to that. But where I, was, where I was going is if you look at, I would say, the foundation of success within a corporate structure, within a hierarchical structure, or in the small business or entrepreneurial world, the one element is create success. It's again, it's that 80-20 rule is leadership. So the conversation I had was with this successful individual and he had accomplished a ton. I mean, he has seven figures of savings. He makes high six figures and it's in the, the healthcare industry. And he has essentially a leadership position, but it's not the leadership position. And there's only one more level to go. And then he's kind of capped out. So what's going through his mind is, you know, there's a marginal improvement to get to that level, but is it worth it? And is there something else I can do? Should I go on my own? I've established all of this knowledge. And so it's one of those things where he has initiatives. He has things that he wants to do to, to grow the specific group that I think there's about a hundred people in to a certain level, but yet there's someone at the top that hired him, right? That is pushing back because there's this feeling of them being threatened because if this person is able to initiate these type of changes and orchestrate them, and achieve success, then it makes them look bad. And they're afraid of looking bad because they're afraid of being let go, being less valuable, et cetera. So the idea, I'm going to approach it two ways. Number one, how I approached him being a leader when it comes to those that are above him, even being able to lead them. But then also it's finding opportunities as a, that are derivatives of what your core competencies are, your success is. And so I'll explain both of these pieces. So the first one is, I would say if you're, when you are hired or join a, a company, it is so rare, but it's becoming more, I've seen it a few times. It's becoming more uh, available and, and more apparent that companies are going in this direction, but it's a good sign when you are hired into a hierarchical order where you're above the person, you're being hired as a position above the person and have a great interview process. That's like golden. Most people are hired underneath 
the person that's hiring them, right? Or bringing them on. And you're a position not necessarily in a meritocracy, right? Where the pecking order or the order is based on experience, knowledge, expertise, core competency. It's based on seniority, how long you've been there. It's based on those type of those type of factors. And so this person was hired within a hierarchy underneath the true leader. And it was essentially his role to essentially do their job so that they would be able to go out make rain, be influential here, there, and and the other. I mean, it made sense from the beginning, but then it came down to making these these types of changes where it would, you know, create improvement, it would avoid obstacles, and it would prevent, you know, some haywire things from happening, which were evidence, kind of like a, a train going on the track, it's on the track, it's going at a certain speed, yet there's a gap in the track right before a bridge or a bridge that's out. One person can see it, the other can't, and there's a hierarchical order that says that, well, I can't see it, you can see it, but because I'm in the seniority order, we're going to keep going. So the way in which I approached it, it was a multi-hour conversation. And the way that I, I looked at it, which is how I have learned to run business is you know, this person who's seniority to him, you know, they have good leadership capabilities. And so it has nothing to do with the change and the initiatives that want to be integrated into the structure of the business, it has to do with the way in which it's presented. And I caught this person essentially saying, well, they should know this. That's their role. I mean, they should know what to do and they should know that this isn't working and they should know this and they should, 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 should. Again, it's one of those things where, you know, like I mentioned last week, where you try to approach irrational behavior with rational thinking. And it always, there's always quagmire. So the idea is, Essentially, you need to put yourself in that person's shoes, understand what they want, understand what their life is about, understand their identity, understand what they're afraid of, what keeps them up at night. And when you know that, then you can see how going on the path that they're on right now can lead to what they don't want. And you can talk about that and bring that up and highlight that and have them consider that as a possibility. At the same time, you can't just go in and say, this is what we're going to do. Here's my plan. Because then you're leaving it up to them, right, to define the meaning of that and whether you're trying to usurp their authority or whether you're trying to actually help. So the context of the conversation and recommendation is way more important to set from the very beginning. And the best way to do that, especially in a hierarchical order, is to really understand what this person wants. What are they afraid of? What are they passionate about? And this person, you know, happened to have a lot of layers of identity, and I'm not going to get into any of them, but a lot of layers of identity right? That they were trying to protect, okay? And they felt threatened by change that would make them look bad. At the same time, the path that they were going down was going to compromise all the different aspects of their identity to begin with. And so that's where we went. We started to highlight, okay, how can you have a conversation with this person, right? And come at it from a neutral perspective, a neutral energy, and go in and essentially say, listen, I know this is, you know, you want to do this. You want to make rain. You want to be on these boards. You want to, and I know you're passionate about that. And I, I know it's making a difference. And here's what I'm seeing in the future. And I see that we're going on this path. And because of my experience and what I've seen at other groups and other companies I've been with, this is what the end result is going to be. And so here's where I think we can establish a few pieces of change here, a few pieces of change here. And this is how it'll get you what you want. And this is how, and may not say in those words, but essentially allude to the fact that it's going to help them to be better, get what they want. And essentially it's done in a collaborative fashion. And we went into a lot of other details, right? But the idea is that 
when you're in this hierarchical order, the greatest fear somebody has is looking bad. And if they look bad, then the results of that are going to be them losing their job, them losing their position, them losing their credibility. And that is going to compromise what is most important to them. So you got to work your way backwards. You got to start with what's most important to them. What do they really want? What are they after? What's, what are they passionate about? Okay. What are they striving for? And try to view the world in which they view the world the same way they view the world and then approach it showing how the current path that they're on is ultimately going to potentially lead based on the experience of the new perspective is going to lead to a place that they don't, they don't want. They may not be able to see it. And then it's providing essentially a replacement of their belief system, their perspective with an alternative that will get them what they truly want. Now, approaching that way, it's very strategic. At the same time, it's like, this is, this is where true leaders are. And you could be a leader, whether you're the mailroom person or you can be a leader at that level of executive. At the same time, the same principles apply, even though there's way down on the pecking order and then way high up on the pecking order. Human behavior, human nature is always relevant. Now, as you can imagine, a person that is at this prestige, that is ambitious, that is young, that has accomplished a lot, they're thinking of plan B. And if they can't ram through right, their plan A, which is, hey, this is what we need to do, and you should know that, and you should accept my proposal, right? They're thinking of a plan B. And the plan B is usually, I'm going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go to another company. Somebody's going to value me more, or I'm going to go on my own. And so this is where it was interesting because you know I, I did a podcast a number of months ago where I talked about the you know how the Native Americans would capitalize on every aspect of the buffalo. Same thing with a cow, same thing with petroleum where you have this one central commodity, one central thing, but there are so many derivatives and uses out of it. So we had that conversation and this individual was very entrepreneurial, very driven. And so we started to identify the different factions of their value. We started to look at what is their experience? What are they passionate about? And then also what are ways in which they can do a little bit of derivative in certain areas. And so we identified a couple of opportunities. I'm going to give you that example right now, and then I'll cut to some of the calls to action that I came up with. So that regardless of where you're at, you can apply a very similar perspective as this, this individual that I had a really great conversation with. So the derivative was he had expertise in this in the medical field, and it was in the, the mergers, acquisitions, business side of things, business structure. He also had so many different contexts or contacts in that field of different medical companies, pharmaceutical companies, health networks, and insurance companies. He had so many executive level contacts. So I said, okay, well, what are, what are opportunities where you're seeing the medical industry go? Like, where, What direction is it going? What do you see as the future? And then it went to these different startups and incubators that have been uh, created in the city that he's in that will essentially forming little specialized services and other, some of them are medical devices, but essentially it was a startup world, right? An incubator world of the medical industry. And so he identified not just one, but a couple of them. And that's where I said, okay, do you know anybody that's there? Somebody that, you know, is, is part of it, that's running it. And he knew, and he had those relationships. And so it went into, okay, what role could you play, right? In order to not only have essentially influence in those areas, Okay, where you can provide some legal and business consulting on just a small scale. It's a derivative of what he's already doing, 
but be able to influence good and also potentially have opportunity for investment opportunity to grow his his wealth but then it potentially could lead to a more firm consulting opportunity and again it, it, i'm not sure what's going to happen i'll sure i'll i'll know if he took action which i guarantee he's probably already taken action knowing him but the idea is that those opportunities existed right but our mindset typically is is focused on what our primary core competency and obligations are and we often don't necessarily look at okay within those competencies is there value that uh, can be derived from that and applied to other other areas of the business world as opposed to having to go off and you know completely start fresh and do something new it's being able to identify opportunities whether it's consulting whether it's freelancing etc so there's one other thing i wanted to say in that regard let me get to my notes here guys yeah, it's the it's the breadth versus depth. So there's this interesting concept in in business where you can have depth of experience, which is extreme specialization, or you can have breadth, right? Which is a wide, wide range. So you go wide and shallow, or you can go narrow and deep, or you can start doing a, a hybrid. It's very being very intentional about your breadth, knowledge, experience, specialty, as well as your depth. And that really is an interesting observation that you can make where you start to realize potentially opportunities to go deeper into your field, okay? Opportunities where you can gain even more specialized knowledge, or you can start to go to the next level breadth-wise, horizontally, where you can start to, to understand maybe derivative aspects of your field. And in the end, I would say this is really what leads to you making not only the biggest difference and the most amount of money, but it's being the most fulfilled. Now, I'm going to be the first to say that you don't have to go out on your own and form a business in order to do this. There are so many opportunities and even more so with COVID-19 and what it has facilitated as far as remote work. People are working from all over the world now where they had to be in a specific centralized location in the past. And so I look at, you know, just the tremendous opportunity, right, that exists right now to number one, identify your core competencies, identify your strengths, identify your what I call human life value assets that I talk about in the book and start to leverage those, start to apply them to different areas with different companies and splinter, right, or create derivatives of that and test here and test there and test here. You don't have to completely jump ship right in order to pursue these types of ventures. So that's what I would say is that from a call to action standpoint, you know, with regards to this kind of second part of the podcast, you got to know objectively and not just use kind of like assumptions or gut reaction as to where your strengths and passions are. So this is kind of the know thyself where you can look at different assessments that are more objective in nature. So the first that I love is uh, Colby, and the second is Strengths Finders, and the third is Myers Briggs. And it's not simply taking these tests, but it's studying and understanding the reports. And within those reports, it's finding like, okay, what is the if you were to to break down the talents or the passions or the fulfillment, right? As as you take those assessments, it's what do you feel the most strongly about? right? What is, were they spot on more than any other area? And that is a sign, that's a signal for you to really focus on where they nailed everything almost verbatim. 
And that is where you can start to understand your competencies, what you're passionate about, and find opportunities where you could potentially go deeper. You can enhance or magnify the depth of what you know. And before you go to horizontally and the breadth of it, because I, again, going to the e-myth, I think most people, when they get frustrated in the hierarchical order of working in a structure, right? They pursue this, this path of entrepreneurship, of self-employment, of starting their own business, but their core competency is in this little kind of narrow niche, whether they know it or not, but yet they take on a breadth of things, whether it's You got to know some accounting, you got to know marketing, you got to know sales, you got to know all these other aspects of things. And so it really, it's a very interesting dynamic where you look at people that essentially want to be freer. They want to have more opportunity. They want to make more money. And oftentimes, you know, it's the paradox, right? What you should be doing is probably opposite of what you're inclined to do. And so again, I think one of the calls to action for you guys is know yourself at a deeper level. Take these tests, right? You'll spend maybe a hundred bucks on them, but they will be golden because in there, it objectively shows who you are, why you're paid, what value you're bringing to the world. And you can also, you know, assess where is the, you know, what aspect of those reports is your core and then use that as an indicator of what to pursue and find ways in which you can go deeper, right? A great way to determine that is, Within that, you know, niche, what's your maximum income, right? What's the maximum income in that specific area that these types of reports and self-assessments give you? So that's that's something I think you guys, I mean, I study mine all the time. I look at them. Sometimes I'm frustrated by them because I'm inclined to do this, that, or the other, but they keep me in my core. And then the second thing is, from a call to action, I've already mentioned this, and this goes to part one. From where you where you show up, right? Your your most common and consistent state is it in a position of force, or is it in a position of power? Are you showing up afraid? Are you showing up prideful? Are you showing up angry or resentful? Or are you showing up courageously? Are you showing up neutral? Are you showing up with a feeling of acceptance that regardless of what happens? It's happening for you. It's not happening to you. Get a pulse on that and then find some core memories of where you showed up as a hero. You overcame adversity. Find those memories where you were neutral, where you were empathetic, okay, where you took control and did it in an empowering way. When you find those, that is one of the best shortcuts to trying to show up every day. And maybe you just start showing up in business settings, in meetings, in presentations, and then start applying that to your relationships, then starting to apply that to your social relationships. So I think that's it, guys. This was a cool podcast. It's something that's been on my mind and and hopefully you found value in some of these nuggets. All the links to the books that I mentioned, as well as the assessments that I mentioned will be available in the show notes. So go head over to thewellstandard.com and there's an episode page for every single episode. So within that page, you guys can find uh, those links. And uh, also, I'm going to put another plugin for uh, feedback and assessments. So go ahead over to the show notes and and take that assessment. It'll take you probably 10 minutes or so. That feedback is going to help me tremendously because I'm going to be spending, am already spending a ton of time putting together content, putting together videos, putting together a course that I believe encompasses the philosophy of the book It also encompasses the philosophy of uh, the podcast and different themes and topics we've had over the last few years. 
but it's it encompasses it in an actionable, personalized way. So I'm really excited for that to come out. I just want to be as double, triple, quadruple accurate as possible. And that's only going to come from your feedback. Guys, thanks a ton. Thanks for listening. I appreciate it. You found value, pass it on to others. I don't really, I spend money at this. I don't, I don't really make any money doing the the podcast other than providing, you know, value to uh, the other companies that I, that I have, but share this with others, get the word out. These are things that I believe come back when you're able to share value with others and they find value in it. It's this compound effect and it always comes back to you. All right. That's it for this week, guys. We'll see you next week. Take care. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Wealth Standard Podcast. Be sure to visit the show's official website, thewealthstandard.com, for appropriate disclaimers and terms of service. Guest opinions are their own. If you require specific investing, financial, legal, tax, or any other specialized advice, please consult an appropriate professional. We welcome and appreciate reviews of the show. Head on over to iTunes or Stitcher to leave your review. And don't forget to subscribe to the show to get access to every new episode and exclusive interviews this season. Thanks again for joining us, and we'll see you next time.